I had a hobby too. Mine happened to be guns and ballistics. And I studied guns and ballistics as much as I could, and I wrote an article about high velocity. So out of all my years working at Weatherby, the last five have been some of the most exciting. Working with Adam, with him running the company. And to think that I get the opportunity of carrying on my grandfather's legacy 75 years later here in Sheridan, Wyoming, I mean, it really is a dream come true. On our mark, the Weatherby Podcast. On our mark, the Weatherby Podcast. We've got some uh, fun stuff to talk today. Talk about today. I'm your host, Luke Torkelson, Vice President of Sales, Marketing, and Product Development, and whatever else Adam asked me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've got with me our marketing manager, Tyler, whose name I totally killed. <laughs> First podcast, he got it wrong. I said it was Tyler Grethen. It's not Tyler Grethen. It's, it's Grayton. Like, Tyler have a great day. Great. Great. I just keep thinking great hen. Great hen. Yep. Yeah. Hey, that works. That's yeah. what I'm going to use from now on. You're the great hen. The great hen. <laughs> awesome. And we have our international sales guru and resident shotgun subject matter expert, Kyle Killen. Welcome to the podcast for the second time, Kyle. Good to be back. Um, what a last name, though. Killing them. Yeah. yeah. We got the great hen, killing them. killing them. <laughs> and then you have... And then the, 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 <laughs> the Viking uh, descendant son of Thor, really. Is, <laughs> I mean, no, no big deal, guys. <laughs> yeah. but kind of a big deal. Um, we've got some cool stuff to talk about today. Um, if you're here to talk about Mark Fives and ballistics, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> this is a shotgun podcast. We have some new guns coming out. We do. Uh, in the spring of 2019, yes. we launched the 18i. It is an Italian three and a half inch inertia driven shotgun. That's quite nice. It has a couple of variations. We did uh, all the synthetic models were in a three and a half inch chamber, and then we did the deluxe in a three inch chamber, 12 and 20. The 20s obviously were three inch, but we did not have a synthetic, and the 20s still don't. Uh, but we've got some new three inch synthetic models coming out um, that are pretty awesome, and we want to talk about why that they're awesome, and uh, also talk a little bit about what you can expect from my content and hunting perspective from Weatherby as we are right now just in the beginning opener of elk season. I was out for elk opener two days ago, and now I'm already excited about waterfowl season. It's just around the corner for us when it gets good. Okay, Kyle, I'm going to put you in the hot seat here. All right. So you've used some of these guns already. Yes. Can you tell me what you did with them? So we uh, – We've took them up to Canada, actually, uh, to do a little bit of uh, beatdown on them. Uh, prior to that, we ran... When was this? Oh, four weeks ago now? Four weeks ago, I think. Beginning of September. So, early season Canada. Ducks are still all brown, so you're just shooting brown ducks and big honkers, which is a lot of fun. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I just want to make sure that... Because maybe not everybody understands the whole process that a duck goes through, but... What do you mean they're all brown? Like mallards have green heads. Yeah. <laughs> Later in the season. So up there, they are still in their molt phase. Um, and as they come down, they'll be going through and out of that molt phase and into their full plumage. So it's early enough up in Canada 
they are still, you cannot tell the difference hardly between a hen and a drake until almost they're on the ground. And then you're going to see maybe a few colors kind of in so there. So can you tell the difference between like a, a mallard and a gadwall? Or do they just all look like gray ducks, brown ducks? Pretty much all like brown ducks minus like say pintails. Yeah. Um, gotcha. And that just because of the body shape. Yep. Uh, spoonies, I would say you could probably tell just because, I mean, he's kind of got a ni- nice little air yeah, wedge up front. Yeah. Smiling mallard. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what a part of Canada were you in? So we were up in Glasland, which is north of Saskatoon. Um, it's actually right on the edge of the Boreal Forest. So they make that hop down from Alaska. They kind of get right there, and it's a real big just area loaded with a lot of water, a lot of grain fields like barley, peas, everything like that. Um, fantastic area to kind of get in some birds. So, so you guys were hunting a couple of different like setups, or was it all fields? Or how, what were you guys hunting? So this trip actually was the first time in Canada I've ever hunted water. So we actually did a water hunt one evening and got to experience the organic bottom that they always tell you about, which is like that, that peat bog stuff. Yeah. 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 You're going to step in it. You're going to go up to your knees, even if there's only an inch of water up top. So Mm. that was, that was a fun experience. Uh, We actually got to take our outfitters kid on his first duck hunt. So he went along for the ride. So that was a lot of fun. Swat some mosquitoes on that one, but most of the time we're hunting out of uh, panel blinds, basically. So right in the middle of fields, using willow trees that we're cutting, strapping vertical, make it look almost like a just a chunk of random hedge, and just finish them in tight. They're they're coming in pretty close, huh? Yeah, we had uh, especially on Friday of that trip, it was foggy and it was 15 yards on most opening shots. I was a little over choked that day. <laughs> That could that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a mid midday swap. Right on. So. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about the the new eighteen eyes. So, yep. Um, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to pretend that I don't. So, why did we go to a three inch chamber on the waterfowl? So, there's a couple of reasons. One is, is if you have a guy who wants to be able to do everything from doves to ducks, geese, turkey the three inch is going to allow you to run those lighter loads that you want to use on the clay range and on the dove field. So with a three and a half inch, you are having to take and run a stiffer spring because you're running a Roman candle down that thing with a real (laughs) high velocity coming back on that bolt. Right. So when you only have to count for a three inch load, you don't have to run a stiff a spring. So now we're able to go lighter on our shells and still have the reliability that we're known for. Yeah. So, that made a huge difference. And then the other kicker is, is that really three and a half inch, not as many guys are using it anymore. There has been a, yeah, with the, with the advent of tungsten and bismuth and, um, it, yeah, people are shooting lower total length shells, but getting yeah. the same, if not more payload. Well, and that's the kicker too. When you get into some of these now, they're able to, you're able to run with like, say bismuth, you're able to run number fives and have a higher pellet count that is more lethal um, than say number four steel. Yeah. So you like don't, we, we've been playing with the boss shot shells and yeah. it's kind of funny because you're taking this little two and three quarter inch 12 gauge shell that literally looks like a field dove load, but it is like an absolute like waterfowl hammer. Oh yeah. I remember the first time you showed it to me, we had that duck hunt in the slough and you took the one right over the top and I was like, well, yeah. that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that hurt him pretty bad. <laughs> So yeah, more total range. It's not that the three and a half inch won't shoot two and three quarter shells. It will, but if you get to like below ounce and a quarter ounce, 
seven eighths of an ounce, you really start to have some reliability issues. Speci on on a three and a half inch chamber, especially if your shooting mechanics aren't ideal. Like correct. Let's talk a little bit about what an inertia gun needs because it's different from what a gas operated shotgun would need from a shooter mechanics perspective. Yeah. So when you're shooting on an inertia gun, it is compressing the spring inside the bolt head there, which then causes as it compresses to slam the bolt rear rearward and unlock that bolt head mm -hmm. going to the rear. If you don't have something solid to recoil against, um, like your shoulder, uh, or if you're, you know, you're on out on your bicep and you're kind of like trying to do a weird angle, mm -hmm. you can cause that gun to malfunction because it can't fully get that inertia you, slam. You're forcing it to short cycle. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've seen it over the years with guys, super cold weather, puffy jackets. They're getting into their shoulder pocket, but there's so much cushion even yeah. on some guns. I've seen those guys have problems on, like, straight overhead. And that's, when it, that's where I see the m most issues with people is um, on a weird shooting angle. Typically, your first and second shot, like, it's pretty good. Like, you're feeling good. But then by the time you get the third shot off, you're, like, doing a, you know, contortionist-type situation move mm -hmm. where you're, like, way left or way right. And if you're if you're right-handed shooter and you're shooting way right, like you're so opened up, if you can't twist far enough, you can't give it the platform that it needs to recoil against. Yeah, and you see it a lot in layout blinds because you can't twist as much out that direction. Yeah. Um, and those are usually those late-season goose hunts when you're on those blinds trying to keep hitting in the stubble. This gives you a better option if you're going to shoot a good shell. So. Yeah. So, again, our 3.5-inch chambered 18 eyes, they run great. They run very reliably but I think you're going to have a wider range on the low end mm -hmm. on these new three inch chambers. Yeah. We've ran them down, um, down to seven eighths of an ounce and they've been cycling exactly, you know, exactly how you want them to. We see with good mechanics about an ounce and eighth, sometimes down to one ounce, depending on shooter size. Like I'm not a big guy, so I can sometimes get away with one ounce on a three and a half inch gun, but it's going to depend a little bit. So, ounce and eighth readily available in target loads absolutely but in this day and age with shotgun shells being what it is you get what you stuff, get and you don't throw a fit <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why i took a three and a half inch gun last year to canada that's funny so yeah there's a, a shotgun shell availability has been a challenge for sure but um i like the three inch gun just for what we've talked about i i've never really had an issue with our three and a half inch gun but um, we've had some partners that have had problems where, um, smaller guys typically, you mm -hmm. know, like sub five, eight, and maybe <laughs> sub 160 pounds have seen some, some problems. Yep. Um, I think this will fix all those problems and it's not inherent to the Weatherby 18i it's inherent problem. If you want to call it a problem, but it's inherent issue with an inertia driven shotgun. There's a trade-off, right? So yep. let's talk about the trade-off. So what are the benefits of an inertia gun over the gas gun? So inertia versus gas, some of the biggest benefits is going to be simplicity in the inertia gun. Um, and then the lack of cleaning you're going to have to do on an inertia gun. So with a gas gun, you're literally pulling gas off of the shell you just fired, running it into the chamber as it's shoving that bolt backwards, which means you're getting unburnt powder, um, a lot of grime kind of going into there. Whereas with the inertia gun, probably 95% of everything is going out the front end because it's already down halfway down the barrel before that bolt's beginning to unlock from the pressure curve. Yep. So that's a huge benefit. And then again, the, the part simplicity, I mean, 
my seven-year-old can tear apart an inertia gun and put it back together. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we've gravitated towards the inertia system. It, it, it works, it reliably works and it's just very simple. Um, on a gas gun, if you're going to go from really light to really heavy loads, you got to work, mess with cylinders and make sure you've got the right ports. And yep. this way you just simplify everything. So, but to everything, there's a trade-off. There is. So that's where you run into light shells really struggling on your form. That's yeah. the biggest issue, which going to the three inch then kind of takes a lot of that out of the equation. Yep. So Tyler, what models are we going to have this new three inch 18i in yeah so we're gonna have the synthetic so we're gonna have a black option and then we're gonna have so that's black with blued metal so yep. just like a, a minor level of corrosion resistance yep. yep and then we're gonna have uh real tree max 7 mm-hmm. we're gonna have masio habitat and yep. then we're gonna be offering first light cipher with a like a custom cerakote job on that too i so. love first light cipher it's yeah. a pretty so that's exciting yeah yeah um, so first light does have a new waterfowl pattern. They just announced at some point we'll be coming out with a model in that pattern as well. Uh, but for now we've got cypher, which I think is a great palette for waterfowl. It's a good looking gun. It'll be a good looking upland gun. And I really like having Cerakote on the metalwork. Um, it just, it, it looks sharp and Cerakote's like tough business. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be <laughs> definitely yeah, good in the marsh and <laughs> everything from turkey hunting to upland, uh, everything oh, yeah. on that gun. So. Yeah, it's going to be... Turned out pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good-looking gun. I really love the looks of that one. And the color pattern is pretty universal to pretty much everywhere we end up going, I find. Yeah, I mean, usually when you're talking about waterfowl, it's the same color palette, basically, between those all three of those. When you got Habitat, uh, Max 7, and Cypher, you got a lot of uh, light browns and dark browns. And yeah. the way yeah. they, they do the spatial breakup is obviously different between each pattern, but the color palette's very similar, so... yeah. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about that Canada hunt. So, uh, first time hunting on water and y'all, but mostly still field hunting. Yeah. We spent, um, is it like a, like a limit every day? Yeah. We had one, we had one day, one day we did not fill an entire eight man limit in the blind. Um, you guys suck. Yeah. (laughs) And let's go into the fact that it's eight geese, eight ducks per guy. Um, so, oh, come on. Yeah. I, should've, I, didn't, I actually didn't realize that. Eight geese, eight ducks? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter, light-fronted? No. Dark, just eight geese? Well, eight eight dark, so eight Canada okay. or speckle bellies, 20 snows, and eight Okay, ducks. so did you have a day where you did, a, like, max limit, like snows, dark, and No, it's, ducks. I mean, the Good. snows Good. are just... <laughs> I'd be real upset. <laughs> <laughs> we had like the, the ultimate hunt. You could, like, never top that. No, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. No, you just set the gun down and you I'm walk sure away. You're I'm done. sure it's possible. It is. Uh, it's just, I mean, snows are so unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, they can be sitting there piling into a field the day before you're in there the next morning. Gone. Yeah, so, and the way it works in Saskatchewan is you have to kill your Canada geese by noon up until October 15th. You cannot hunt Canada geese in the afternoon until after October 15th. Sounds like some kind of like goose union law. I, yeah, I don't know where <laughs> it comes from. I, I'm, I'm sure Tyler knows it. I'm like, he told me this and I was like, well, we didn't have to do that last year. He's like, yeah, you were here at the end of October. I'm like, oh, oh. hmm, okay. So, so, you, so did, if you're hunting past noon, you're decoying geese in, but you just watch them? Yeah, I mean, we actually pretty much in the afternoon, you can shoot your snow still, but just not Canada's. You can't do your darks in the afternoon. So we would primarily 
hit our geese hard in the morning, usually kill ducks too a little bit in the morning, and then finish up all of our ducks in the afternoon. I'm sure Trudeau made that rule somehow. That's crazy. I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. So crazy. Yeah, we had one day that was, we had a big weather shift come through. And so, I mean, I was scouting the field the night before with Tyler and Mario, and we were looking at 5,000 geese in that field. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at about 5,000 honkers in that field, and we're like, we have access to this field. It's going to be a great morning. Weather change, we're like, ah, it should be fine. Did exactly what it did to me last year in Canada, the one big weather change day. All the geese went somewhere else. We still shot, like, 28 geese that morning, and I can't complain about that. No. <laughs> so, but it was just like, where'd they all go? And we found them two miles down the road in a field they were literally cutting that night at 7 o'clock at night when we were leaving. Wow. So how do they find that? And what kind of field was was it? Barley. Barley. Yeah. So it was just like, how do they find that, like, that short a notice? And it's just like, I don't know. But yeah. every time we get that message. They sent out a messenger. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> There's that one lone goose who's just flying back like, guys, yeah, guys, you I won't believe it. what I found. I got it. We got to get there first. <laughs> But oh, so man. that was three days of that, and then you told me about a little bonus hunt, too. It was four days. Four of, days of ducks and geese. And, and then, then a little bonus hunt on the before leaving that morning. So I was we drove up, so we didn't have flights to catch. Everyone else had flights to catch, minus um, one of the guys up there. I know he's a rider, um, and a couple um, industry guys over there. Yep. So Tyler comes up to me as I am. Getting and my and Tyler's to, the local... local Tyler's our outfitter up yeah. there that we're buddies with, and he organizes all this stuff. Um, he comes up, and he's like, how, how late do you have... Uh, how late can you leave tomorrow morning? I was like, uh. hmm, depends. <laughs> I was like, why? He's just like, cranes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I could definitely do 10, 11, 12. <laughs> <laughs> What's the limit for Santos? Five per person. Per day per day oh my gosh yeah so that was quite the day that morning yeah that was a pretty pretty rocking morning um we've got some footage of an absolute just cranes getting hammered um we were running bismuth and tungsten on that one and it it got a little dirty so that sounds awesome and i'm getting daily photo <laughs> updates from kyle and i'm yeah. like what? in yes. the office like itching i'm like dude so almost stop sending me stuff because it was so awesome. Wish you so were when, here. when was that again? So that was Saturday morning. What, like September? September 10th, I think, is when we were coming back. That's so pretty awesome. So yeah. I, I began waterfowl hunting in Texas, and from memory, some Saturday around the 15th of September is like, early teal season <laughs> yeah same thing in missouri early teal season you get like the two weekends the first two yeah. weeks of september yeah so to be able to hunt everything up there but not in like full breeding plumage no no but still pretty awesome to be able to get up oh there. yeah it was i mean so in oregon we would have a september goose season that lasted like one week and it was usually like i think like the sixth six to the 12th or something like that mm-hmm so we would get honkers a little bit then, but it was usually like one or two days and the resident birds kind of figure out what's going on and they go to the golf courses. And unless you have an yeah, end of the yeah, golf yeah. course, you're not killing birds. Um, but yeah, to be able to just go hard, full bore, hey, we're going to shoot, you know, honkers, we're going to shoot ducks, we're going to shoot cranes. Pretty awesome. Yeah. That's the earliest I think I've really gotten to, to kind of put the full hammer down. So, And you guys filmed it. We filmed all of it. 
So when can we see some of that? I have some images. Tyler's seen them. <laughs> I've seen them. But yes, the, but, the but video for the people are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. When when and where could they uh, see the footage from this hunt? So we will be uploading it. Uh, well, Final Approach will be uploading it, which is who we were hunting with and was filming with us uh-huh. uh, on their YouTube channel, uh, and we will be posting that in about a week and a half. So when this comes out, it should be available, and we'll have links on the Weathery side. Perfect. That's sharing, where I, that's where sharing. I was trying so to get. So yeah. we'll be yeah. able to, on all of our socials, we'll have some reels and clips to get you guys excited and point you to seeing the 18 eyes in action. That's so. awesome. Uh, so was that it? Your only hunt for the year? Are you done? Like, no. Because you should be after that. It sounds <laughs> like. No, no. I've got to restock the freezer because I couldn't bring any of that home. Yeah, there was a ban. Yep. I unfortunately crossed the day after they put the avian bird flu ban into place. And three yeah. days after I came home, they lifted it. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah. there is some crane in the freezer, though, that I will be partaking this Saturday on, actually. So I am heading back to Canada on Saturday. This guy needs joint residency over here or yeah. something. He's our international sales manager. Canada is our biggest international yeah. customer. And I just happen to have clients right around that area. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to go up, see a couple of the guys up there. We're going to uh, keep running those three-inch guns um, and just have ourselves a good time. Um, you and I are going to Nebraska. We're going to hunt on the North Platte, right? Yeah. That yeah, we'll be, be up good. there with Excited Whiskey Slew. You're heading out somewhere. I've, yeah, well, I'm headed out tomorrow, actually, um, to go with Ryan Callahan for an episode of Cal on the Field with Meat Eater. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be doing some, uh, pheasant hunting. I'm going to take one of the three inch models as well as, uh, an Orion 20, kind of like 20 gauges, uh, pheasant hunting upland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, past that, um, I'm, I'm looking at going with, uh, duck lore from another meat eater production, um, to Fort Peck. I might have to Montana. like just like sleep in the back of your truck on that one. It's just be like, hey, where'd Tyler, where'd you come from? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I would if I were you. Um, I'm excited about that one because Fort Peck's got kind of a reputation for being pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I drove through on there on the way to Canada, and it was looking real good. So I can see exactly why you're going there right now. Yeah, so that's late November. It's the plan. So it should be a green head fest. That so definitely should. That's the plan. And I had a phone call yesterday with a with a good friend um, who I'm going to protect his identity on here, although I'm tempted to name a name. I will not. <laughs> who may or may not have a uh, bison ranch uh, south of Billings with quite a bit of Bighorn River frontage. Really? Um, Sounds intriguing. Not far from where we were field hunting last year. Oh, and have access and wall tents ready and waiting. Okay. So, wow. All right. Yeah, we've got options <laughs> is what I'm saying. So I'm actually quite excited about that. My my inception into hunting period, I started hunting later in life, was waterfowl. Um, and there's still not much that gets me more excited than seeing birds cupped and committed. Oh, yeah. It's just the – you get a – I don't care what they are – divers doesn't matter but you get birds that are just absolutely cupped doing that little cuppy wobble thing (laughs) (laughs) coming in tight and just i just Uh, love it i love when they start flipping because they realize they're still too high and they want in that bad they're just inverting just dropping altitude like crazy 
Tyler Kyle got to uh, be on a special moment for me last year. Um, he was there on my son's first bird ever that he dropped. And, uh, you know, I guess you sometimes wonder about the pressure you put on your own kids. And this is Tripp's, like, first ever real duck hunt. There's a camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a last-minute deal when Mario from Final Approach and people were in town. Like, we had a couple great days in the field, and we have an extra day. I'm like, I'll bring Trip. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So Trip comes out, and we hadn't shot a shotgun in months. So I'm like, ah, oh, this could be a this could be a train wreck. This could be a couple <laughs> a couple box a day. Oh, yeah. He yeah. put on a shooting clinic. He went, I think, six for six. Didn't oh, miss. Wow. It was nuts. I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> and we did it on the coldest day of the entire season. It was gross. Oh, it was so yeah. cold. Yeah. But, it, you know. Those were the was, days, though. You it was really up. fun. That's yeah. That, there's a spot that we like to go on the – on, on a river in, in yeah. Montana. Undisclosed location. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be Montana. I don't know. Yeah. Idaho. There's a state yeah. somewhere, somewhere in the... That's not Sheridan. Um, that the worse the weather is, the better that spot is. And so, like, we, we, we look at trying to make time available when the weather is gross. And it, it pays off typically. Yeah. If the weather's good, don't even go. No. <laughs> no, we'll go that's, farther north at that point. That's the hard part about to me the hard part about waterfowl hunting is like scheduling like if you're if you're big game hunting like hey elk opener is september 15th or sorry october 15th whatever i'm gonna book a week off and go get my elk can't really do that the same with waterfowl especially no. around here like you got to play the weather so much so like in this window of time there may be a good day if the weather's bad yeah. That's what we were talking about. It's like even some of the, the testing stuff we're doing, we're like, we need to like even local stuff just be like, we're going hunting these three days because it's going to be good. So you got to go when it's good, not when you can almost. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, yeah. lucky, luckily I have a boss who I can, you know, text and say, Hey, it looks like horrible weather tomorrow. I think I'm going to take a day off. And usually he joins me. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, uh, where are we, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think we only get to do that because we work really hard the rest of the time. So yes, that's that fair. Works out. Um, plenty of weekend work there. There is, and late nights for me. Yeah, you've got you've got some crazy crazy time. You know, people in uh, Australia. They yeah, have a slightly different clock than us. Yeah, you know? that's kind of the time zone game. So yeah, but no, it works in my favor some days. It does. So Kyle does a great job on our international side of the business, and most people states. I don't care about that at all, but. Um, just like in the U.S., Weatherby has a great name, I think, outside of our country. And uh, you've done a great job promoting that. So good on you, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, to kind of start landing this plane, we got three new models of three-inch chambered 18-eyes, Max 7, Mossy Oak Habitat, First Light Cypher. Four models. Four models. I, <laughs> I was going to wait till you, till those yeah. uh, start spinning there. Four models. <laughs> um, yeah, so four models, black synthetic, and the three camo models. Um, three inch chambers. What chokes are these running? So they are Cryo Plus. Yep. So plenty of aftermarket support there. You can do Carlson's, Pattern Master, Molars. Um, everybody's making chokes for them, although I have found our factory chokes, especially shooting bismuth. Proof modified is fantastic over decoys. I was going to ask specifically about chokes, um, kind of get a little more geeky right at the end here, but uh, you've played with quite a few of the aftermarkets. So yeah. talk about what you've seen pattern-wise uh, uh, between even ours. It's okay to, to be fully honest. <laughs> <laughs> so ours, 
do pattern extremely well. Um, I do sometimes like an external aftermarket choke, just primarily these volume shoots sometimes when you're shooting eight geese, eight ducks in one day. I like being able to reach up and kind of check my choke tube tightness. Yeah, um, so the, yeah. The, the choke tubes that we include are flush chokes. So it's, you need a wrench or a coin or the shell of a 12-gauge of a to be able to tighten it fully. So an external one, you can grab the knurling because it sticks past proud. Yep. Past the end of the muzzle. Yeah, otherwise you're dropping, you know, dropping the chamber open, trying to check it quickly. <laughs> yep. Um, so what we have found with Bismuth is improved modified full, uh, factory improved modified on number threes to number fives is very good over decoys. Uh, the full to me is almost a little too tight. I see a lot of guys actually over choke their guns. Mm. And then, I mean, remember, you're, you're trying to swing a pattern. You're not trying to shoot it with a rifle. So Right. That's usually the issues I've seen on that. Um, I usually recommend something along the lines like if you're going to shoot aftermarket, stay away from wad stripping. It doesn't seem to kind of play well with bismuth. Um, it has to do with actually deforming the pellets a little bit. It seems like when it's leaving, it's ripping that wad off. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're shooting steel, I've had great luck running like Pattern Master wad strippers, um, number twos, uh, number ones, very deadly, dead, very lethal over decoys. Um, Carlson's. Um, cremator series pretty dang good too so that's what i run yeah, yeah. they're I've they're a great choke um and i like the mid-range stuff honestly because i find that's kind of that perfect combo for what we do where it's like beyond when you're at close range but you know there's always that third shot and that bird's going away and by the time you're getting to them i like to have an extra little bit of tightness in my choke to try and hold that pattern absolutely so but yeah it's it's interesting with the bismuth and compared to the steel especially with going back to choking stuff down a lot harder than you used to. So it's um, something I kind of had to like wrap my head around a little bit. <laughs> Force yourself back. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, think like I'm, you know, going upland hunting. Um, and then the other one is tungsten, which has you going back to shooting like steel. So we tend, I tend to open my chokes up with tungsten because of what I've been finding. I do need to shoot some more stuff. We've been shooting some of the uh, blended stuff. So then you've got some steel mixing in. So you're kind of having to back up a little bit. Um, it'll be curious to shoot some pure tungsten. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just getting my hands on it right now. So we'll see what the patterning board shows on those down the road. Awesome. What did we not talk about? Did we leave anything out? I think we killed it. I'm hoping so. I like the confidence, <laughs> we, Tyler. We killing it. We're ki- oh, yeah. thanks. There <laughs> we go. Kyle <laughs> killing it with the great hen. It's <laughs> awesome. This is fun, guys. Uh, I've, New products are a lot of fun. Um, oh, I, I was gonna—I meant to ask you one more thing, Kyle. So we'll we'll wrap up with this. So you had kind of a, eight other people in the blind with you. What was their response to the to the three-inch chamber guns? So they were actually quite excited about it because there's a lot of guys up there that like to do upland hunting, and they really like to use one gun to kind of do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of good opportunity for grouse up there, pretty close-range stuff. So they, they don't really want that, you know. They don't want to run heavy shells, so they're like in one ounce, you know, mm-hmm. seven and a half in the timber. So there was a lot of excitement on that one because they're looking at basically a gun that's the whole package for a guy who wants one gun to do everything with. So that was kind of great feedback to get from them. Um, they were running amazing while we were up there, and so especially the one of the older guys was running it. He's just like, yeah, I don't need a three and a half. And he's like, this is just a hair lighter or hair shorter, and it fits me real well. That's awesome. <laughs> and so we... Uh, we actually had two of our older shooters in the blind that day um, 
two birds left. So we're like, each one of you has to kill one bird. And these two are like squaring off on each other in the blind, giving each other a hard time. And we're telling them it was apparently the muzzleloader season here. So we're going to watch them go back to the muskets and just load one. And, <laughs> oh. and they got, so each guy got one shell and yeah, flock came in and pop, pop two dead birds on the ground. We're like, well, we thought this was going to take yeah. another round or and two. So yeah, we thought someone was going to mess up, but uh, no, feedback was wonderful on the trip. So I'm excited to see how it all goes again this round, see what everybody has to say. And I think it'll be all good. That's awesome. So uh, you can find out more on weatherby.com. There's some menu bar across the top. Go to shotguns and then check out 18 ice. Um, past that, make sure you have signed up for our email newsletter. We're not going to flood your inbox with emails. We try to protect that. Uh, but when we send something, it's usually important. So please do sign up and check that out. It's the only way that we know we can get in touch with you because we do get throttled a little bit by social media. We do. Yes. <laughs> so uh, although we will post in a variety of places about new products and announcements, um, we know we can get an email to you. So please sign up for that. And with that, we're done.